people are not willing to say like, Hey, I can't do the job. I'm not fit for duty anymore. It's, it's bothering me. Instead, they just kill themselves. Mm-hmm. So I always share this piece so that people hear it and they understand, and maybe that will give them the opportunity to look at themselves and go, Oh shit. I, I feel that way. I feel that way. And this is why I don't say anything. Right. Right. So, cause I understand that now, like I understand that their judgments are their judgments and whatever they think about me is none of my fucking business. And I really honestly don't give a shit. Exactly. I don't care. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Redemption Road podcast. I'm your host, Doc John. Here on Redemption Road, we interview high performers to hear about the over the obstacles they've overcome and learn some life hacks to go from being at the bottom to going to the top and thriving. And so today's guest, he's an expert in breath work, meditation. He's a former firefighter and EMT. And uh, someone who I've gotten to know pretty well over this past couple months and uh, really excited to sit down, and have a conversation today. And uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you, Nick Wingo. Nick, thank you for being here. Welcome. Hey, Doc. I appreciate you, brother. I really appreciate it. And I'm honored that you uh, have me on the podcast. So, yeah, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. And, uh, you know, as a, as a fellow mindset guy, I, I'm looking forward to this because uh, I, I think this is one that's going to help a lot of people. And, um, yeah, anybody if who hasn't heard of Nick by now, they're after hearing this, they're going to know him pretty well, and uh, they're going to remember you. I I know that very well because uh, you you definitely make an impact wherever you go, and uh, you know I've seen you I've seen the way that you the effect that you have on folks, and uh, the way you you were able to get to their pain points and really help them to get some better insights, and so it's it's really fun to watch and uh, really rewarding, and so I look forward to uh, you know having this conversation and. Uh, getting some nuggets for everybody to share and to share with everybody. So here we go. Well, of course, with the theme of this podcast being redemption, I, you know, first off, I like to hear about uh, some of the difficult points, some of the, the low points that people have had in their lives, the things that they've overcome, the barriers, you know, maybe it's traumas or maybe, uh, you know, other pitfalls that you had. Um, so this is kind of the, sometimes the more difficult part, but, uh, I'd like to open it up to you. Uh, talk about the early struggles that you've had and maybe paint us a picture of your life early on before you became the high performer that you are now. Uh, what were uh, what were the biggest obstacles and uh, talk to us about what you've had to overcome? Yeah, man. Well, you know, honestly, I've always been a high performer. Like that's always been a piece of me. And that's honestly why I am where I am right now. Um, but where, where I come from is, is, you know, I always talk about my struggle was the fire department. 18 years in the fire department, I lost a significant amount of friends, several to suicide, several to line of duty deaths, half of one crew that I worked with for three years. One guy uh, fell off a roof, six stories, landed on his pack and killed him instantly. The other guy from that crew, he got a brain tuber, uh, started having seizures, got taken off the job and committed suicide because he just couldn't take it anymore. And so I've just, I've been through, you know, being a firefighter is so much more than people really understand. So often you say firefighter and and I hear more often than not like, Oh, like you guys, like the forest fires or, you know, like the house fires or, and that is, that is such a small piece. 
That is just, uh, you know, in fact, that's about 10% of what firefighters do is, is actually fight fires. 80% right. of what firefighters do is they respond to medical calls. Sure. And this is where the mental health struggle comes from. And, and not a lot of people know about that. Uh, right. You know, I've witnessed so many deaths, hundreds of kids, uh, teenage suicides, domestic violence murders, um, child murders, um, you know, just just things that no human should ever have to witness. So you've got tragedy all around you. You've got tragedy with the people that you're serving, you know, the people that you're coming, you're encountering on the scene. And not only that, but you're having tragedy with the people that you work with, your brothers and sisters that you're working with in the fire department or, you know, the, the fellow uh, first responders that you're working with. So all around you, there's there's constant tragedy and you're you're coming on these system, these uh, scenes that, like you said, nobody should ever have to see in their lives. And, you know, things that would leave an imprint on somebody for the rest of their life if they saw one or two of these things, you're seeing them on a regular basis. I mean, I was dealing with when I, you know, I was on my last, the last eight years of my career, I was on a, uh, actually not eight, last six years of my career, I was at our busiest station and, you know, we were running, you know, maybe 10 to 10 to 15 calls a day. And so in a 48 hour shift, you'd run anywhere from 20 to 35 calls in, in, in 48 hours. And that was a lot, you know, I was witnessing every month at least, 10, 15, 20 deaths a month. I mean, this was something that was just a regular occurrence for me. It just became part of what I dealt with every, almost every day, right? A third of my life I spent dealing with stuff that was just not easy to see or easy to handle. Or I dealt with people that just didn't want me to be around, like yelling at me, fighting with me. Um, and so it was this constant struggle of just feeling like, dang, man, like I, I, you know, you just had this constant pressure against you of all these people. And I'm an empath and I didn't even really realize right. that until I started doing the work. So I started doing my inner work. Um, so I feel things deeply. Right. And so I would deeply feel the death. I would deeply feel people's discontent and hate towards me. Right. And I carried that and I didn't even realize I carried it around. Wow. So that's you're, you're walking around with a lot. I mean, that's a big burden to be carrying on your back. And so you're, you're, you're going through you know, a third of your life at the time that you're working, you know, with this constant pressure and you know, here I am, I'm, I'm doing something to serve everybody. And sometimes the service that I'm providing isn't exactly well received and you're, you're trying to help people. And sometimes people aren't, you know, helping or you're, you're getting, you know, your head bitten off or people are very resistant and you know, you're seeing all this tragedy and then what was it like for you when, like, when you were at, at the end of a shift, when you'd go home, like, what, what would that be like for you? Because, you know, you, is it, when you're doing something like that, you don't just leave work at work. It's, it's impossible. Like, what was it like for you when you'd leave work and go home and then go on to the other areas of your life? Yeah. You know, I was in this constant hypervigilance. I was in this constant state of being um, elevated. And so I had post-traumatic stress and didn't even realize it. And so that was anger outbursts. That was, um, you know, hypervigilance. That was anxiety. It was constantly on the edge. It was this constant state of, um, you know, feeling on an edge. And then at night, often what it led to was drinking because I wanted to, I wanted to um, drown my sadness. Right. I wanted to drown the feelings that 
were overwhelming to me. And so that's what happens. Like so many firefighters, this is why suicide rates are are really high in first responders. A lot of people don't Absolutely. understand or, or, or realize that, but it's a major issue, right? Because 100%. we come home and we have all this stuff and we don't know how to deal with it. So we go to drinking, that doesn't work. And so at some point you go, man, like, Forget this. It, I can't take this anymore. It's time to. I, the only the only way I know out is to end it, and I know how to end it. So, how long were you into your career the first time that you thought about ending it? When, when, like, at what point in your career did you get to that point? Um, you know, I can't be certain when the suicide ideation started. Um, I think that they would arise every once in a while. But they really started to rise. Like that, that was when I ended up uh, having to leave, right? Is is I, I was starting to have nightmares. Um, uh, this was like the last part of my career. I left just over two years ago now. And it, like the suicide ideations were just getting overwhelming. Like they were just, it was just, it was too much, right? And I, and I just, I couldn't fight them anymore. I, I couldn't fight the, I, I just couldn't do it on my own because I was trying my dance, my, I was trying so hard to fight them on my own. And I just, I couldn't, but I, I bet probably halfway into my career is probably the first time that the thought crossed my mind. How long when did you work as a firefighter altogether? It was 18 years total. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's you know, the other thing that's really difficult is that uh, you don't want to admit it, right? Like sure. I, I, I didn't even admit it because that I wasn't fit for duty. And I couldn't do my job, and, and and I still have this thing where you 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 feel the judgment from your right. coworkers, right? Like there's only there's only a few people that still talk to me from the fire department that my 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 fire department I worked at, and I hear things. I hear I, people tell me how much shit they talk about me because I left work, right? I I I when really I didn't even leave. I got told I had to leave. Really? I told my I told my partner. I told my partner I was having nightmares. Okay. And he told the captain and the captain said, Hey, look, dude, you got to take a day off. And I said, okay, you guys want to give me a day off? Fine. I'll take my, I'll take my day off. Sure. I'll take my time. I don't want to be at this fucking place anyways. I'm not interested. I'm not right. interested in being here right now. So if you guys want to give me a free day off work, perfect. Right. And then once I left, that was when I realized how, how bad it was. Like right. I didn't even realize how bad it was until I stopped. Gotcha. Because so I just you- kept on pushing. Right. You get so caught up in things in the day to day and you don't even have time to stop and really process what's going on. Then you need to take time away. You know, it's, it's like when you've been going, going, going all day and then you stop and sit down and you just, you know, you finally sit on the couch and you're just like, oh my gosh, that's really exhausting. So I can't imagine the exhaustion that you probably realized that you had going out straight like that for 18 years and seeing what you did and not really fully, be, I mean, you had to compartmentalize it somewhere to be able to survive, to get through all that time. But when you actually stop and slow down and, and really process all that, it's like, wow, that's, that's a shitload to unpack. Yeah, it is. It's Man. difficult. Yeah. It's hard. It was, it was a hard position to be in. And you know, and I still, I still have judgments that I deal with to this day of myself of leaving the fire department. Like I still have that. <laughs> I have still this voice. Like I have this, um, I I do, I do with a, uh, I'm sure you refer to the internal family systems counseling. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, one of the, one of the things I use is like, you know, there's all these separate pieces of you. Mm-hmm. Well, I have, I have this judgmental piece of me that judges right. myself for leaving the fire department and that, that I'm just telling myself a story and that, 
Uh, I, I'm just, I, 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 I could have been doing the job. I'm, I'm weak. I'm all these things that, that all these, that all these, these messages that I perceive from my coworkers. So I still fight that stuff. Right. And, well, I, and I have ju judgment for taking disability. Like, so it's definitely something It's a continued path to work through. Right. And, but I mean, when you go along that path, I mean, the nice thing, I mean, as a clinician, and uh, you know, I can tell is that you, you're the one that gets to write the story, not them. You know, totally. They, they can, they can write the story. They can make the judgments. And, you know, it's like they always say, you know, people are going to judge you regardless of what you do. You know, if you had kept going and, you know, put yourself through and then push yourself to the point of suicide and whatever else, then what, then there's a judgment and then there's a permanent solution to, you know, what, what could have been a temporary problem. And so totally. people are going to judge you either way. And I mean, at some point it gets to, you, you got to make a choice and, you know, especially as a family man, I mean, you got to realize it's okay. Well, do I do this career and, you know, go through, you know, wearing this mask for everybody else to show that I'm not weak or am I going to choose my life? And am I going to put myself first and my wife first and my kids first? You know, yeah, and, and that's, that's what, that's what I did, you know, and the reason I share this piece and the reason I think it's so important is because um, I know that there's other people that are going through this. Like this is why so the, suicides are, the suicide rates are so high, right? Because they're not willing to sit because, because people are not willing to say like, Hey, I can't do the job. I, I'm not fit for duty anymore. It's, it's bothering me. Instead, they just kill themselves. Mm -hmm. So I always share this piece so that people hear it and they understand. And maybe that will give them the opportunity to look at themselves and go, Oh shit. I, I feel that way. I feel that way. And this is why I don't say anything. Right. Right. So, cause I understand that now, like I understand that their judgments are their judgments and whatever they think about me is none of my fucking business. And I really honestly don't give a shit. Exactly. Like, I, I don't care. I care about my, I care. I do care about what my wife thinks about me. I do care about what my, what my people closest to me care about me, think about me. However, like these other people who are not part of my life anyways, I, I, and I just want to, if you're listening to this, and you're having these suicide ideations, you're having these things from other people, you're having these messages from other people, like they, they do they really care about you then? Like, right. because if they did, they would be there and they would say, look, man, you do you. And if you need to leave, that's okay. Right. right. Yeah. You really find out who your true friends are in a situation like this. No doubt. Totally. And, yeah. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, there's, there's, it's not worth, uh, you know, putting yourself out there. And, and, th and that's the thing. I think so many times people put themselves, they go to their way to try to impress people that, or try to wow them or to prove themselves to people that don't really care about them, you know, and, and someone's going to treat you this way or make judgments or to be talking shit about you behind your back. And I mean, these are people that you don't need to be going out of your way to, to try to impress or to, to try to prove anything to 100%. your accountabilities to yourself, your accountabilities to your wife, you know, to your kids, you know, like you said, to the people that are, are closest to you, but you don't have to prove anything to anybody. And it's, uh, it's, it's your narrative and you don't want to drive yourself doing something, you know, they, they're going to call you weak, but you don't want to drive yourself into doing something that's going to be more hurtful than anybody. And like I said, you, you owe yourself a life. And so you got to do what you have to, and you know, fuck the judgment. Totally. You know, you know, one of the biggest discoveries in my, in my journey has been like, whatever you see in me is what is alive and, and, and well in you. Right. Oh and my same, gosh. Amen to same that. for me. Same for me. Right. And there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that they hate this. 
like I, I saw a post the other day, I'm not going to name any names, but a, a, a person that I follow that's pretty influential. And somebody said, um, you know, hey, whatever you, but my biggest discovery was um, actually it was Stacy's uh, post. And there was a comment in, in this post and she she had said, my biggest discovery in my journey was when I realized that whatever I see in other people is what I see in me. Mm-hmm. Right. And this individual was like, yeah, except for stupid people, there's just some stupid people out there. And I just kind of chuckled to myself. Like I thought to myself, like, this is, this is it, man. Like if you just, if you took at it and look at it and, and then maybe, oh, maybe it's not something you're currently going through, but it's definitely something you, that you went through in your lifetime. Sure. And then you judged it and that's why you hate it so much. Mm-hmm. And that's why it drives you so crazy. Like yeah. if we had more compassion for people, like if we were just more compassionate and loving and honest, like mm-hmm. life would be so much better. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it, I totally resonate with what you're saying because it's it's a big projection. I mean, the things that we that we dislike in other people, it's a big projection, you know, because it's like you said, it it's it, it's triggering us because yeah, that's a part of us that we don't like. It's something we don't like about ourselves. And so and oftentimes we'll we'll take what we don't like about ourselves and we project it on other people and make it even worse. It goes the other way too. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's yeah, it, it's definitely true. You know, the other important, I think the thing that important to mention with this though, that comes to is that whatever good you see in people is the good in you too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's just as important to remind yourself that when you see good in people, it's because that's alive in you. Right. right? Because I think, I think on the opposite end, we miss that part is that right. we don't give ourselves enough accolades. We don't give ourselves enough gratitude. We don't give ourselves enough that a voice. Right. And so if we did some more of that, you, you, you would start to change your life. Like when you start to actually do gratitude, when you actually start to, to speak affirmations over your life, when you actually start to speak into who you truly are mm-hmm. and see the good in you, like that's a huge thing that's, that helps change within sure. you. Of course. I mean, it's, that's a chance to fill your cup. You know, you can't fill anybody else's cup when yours is empty. And so when you're giving yourself that gratitude, you're, you're filling your own cup. And I, I love, you know, everybody's, everybody's hashtag grateful these days. You know, you see, I'm grateful, grateful, hashtag grateful for, you know, this and the view I have and everything else. But, you know, when you, the, the, one of the most powerful exercises I ever did was when I had a coach say, all right, I want you to do gratitude towards yourself and, you know, think about all the things that you did. And, and it's, it's powerful because even when you're going through a tough time and when you're not getting the, you know, the extrinsic rewards of maybe the, you know, maybe you start a new business and the money's not coming and maybe you're working out, you're not losing the pounds. You're not seeing things in the mirror. Um, you know, you're not getting maybe even the pat on pats on the bats, pats on the back or the attaboys from other people. But you're, if you stop and you, you do gratitude yourself and you're like, you know what, you know, maybe I'm in, in recovery, but you know, and I'm only a little ways there, but you know what? I walked through the doors. I did this for myself. I, I, I put myself in position to succeed. I'm doing the work. And maybe I'm not where I feel like I quote unquote should be, which shoulds are another word that, and you know, that's a whole other story for another time, but where <laughs> totally. I, <laughs> totally. I could go on a whole diatribe about shooting all over yourself and masturbating. Should not. But, oh yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm with you on that. But you know, even if you're not at those points where you would like to be, but if you, if you use gratitude toward yourself and say, you know what, I'm doing the work and I put myself in a position to succeed. And then you think back about the small victories that you have made to get to that point. And you look at those small victories and then all of a sudden it starts to resonate with you and you start to say, okay, well, you know, I, I have these small victories and you know what the best predictor of future behaviors, past behavior. And I had these victories, you know what, I can have more victories like this, you know, and confidence is memory of past successes. So you remember those past successes and then that's where you start to become confident again. 
And then when you become confident again, you see those good things in yourself. And then you don't mind seeing the good things in others either. When you're not confident, then you don't like to see the good things in others. It makes you jealous and makes you resentful and it pisses you off. When you're confident, then you love seeing those things in other people. Then you love seeing them win. Mm -hmm. That's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So... Talk to us about the tools that you developed. Cause I mean, this, this wasn't even that long ago. I mean, two, you left the no. fire department two years ago. So you've yeah. done a fuck ton of change in the last couple of years. I mean, you've done totally. a lot of work. So yeah. I, I think, you know, to, to see where you're at right now, I mean, just, just go from, you know, someone who's having frequent thoughts of suicide to where you're at right now. And I know you're still doing a lot of work. We're, we're all evolving. We're all works in progress. We're all doing things to try to better ourselves each day, but you're certainly in a much better place now, you know, and you're helping a lot of people and talk to us about what's helped you the most. And how did you discover, you know, some of the things with uh, breath work and meditation and, um, you know, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that because, uh, you know, seeing what you've been able to do in two years is pretty remarkable. And, um, obviously you found a good recipe. Totally. I appreciate that. You know, um, so the, the biggest, like, so I went the, what happened for me, the reason that I am so far along is because I am an overachiever. And so I, there is, there is good and bad to the way I do things. I push really fucking hard. Like I push so hard that I, 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 when I fall, I fall flat on my face really hard and I bloody my nose. So yes, I have come a long way in two two years. However, there has been some major falls in this process. Mm-hmm. So when I when I got taken offline, um, about I don't know three months after I got taken offline, I finally threw in the towel and I said, "Hey, I need more help." And I went to inpatient treatment. And I spent thirty five days in the Center of Excellence in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, it's a facility that's made specifically for firefighters. So it's only firefighters at this facility, uh, which was really uber important to me that I went to a facility that was uh, specific to what I was dealing with. hundred percent. I got, uh, I got, I got to take a time out on life and I, I hit the pause button. I set my cell phone down. They take away all your technology. You only get your, you only get your cell phone one hour a week. Um, so you, you just get this opportunity to really take a, a time out um, and learn some things to help you to slow down. And so when I was there, I learned about mindfulness um, and I learned about yoga and I learned about, um, you know, coloring. Like that's something I do for myself is, mm-hmm. is, is, I, is, I, is I color with my kids now or just color by myself. I, um, I, I've learned all these practices of slowing down. The biggest thing I realized is that I am going so fucking fast that I am missing everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when I had this opportunity to slow down, I was Be like, present. Oh, holy shit. I'm a, I'm actually a human being. I'm not a human doing right. Like I was spending my, oh, I love life, that. I was spending my life doing everything and human not being not being. a human doing. Oh my gosh. That's. That yeah, is gold. Totally. Yeah. Like we get so caught up in doing the next thing and doing this and doing that. And we don't just be right. Like we don't just be present right in this moment. Like, you know, a lot of people, like often I hear from people, they talk, when they talk to me, they say, 
there's just something different about you. Like, what is it about you? What is it that, like, why, why are you this way? Like, what is, what is your presence? And my presence. You have that. You absolutely do have that. Yeah. It's because I'm right here with you. Like I am right here in this moment with you right now. And I, I, I am grateful for this moment and I am present with you. How many conversations do you have that people are completely, pre- they're completely absent. Right. Like they're there and they're talking to you, but they're not there. Like they're somewhere else. Their, their minds are somewhere else. They're, they're off somewhere else. I have learned the power of being present right here. Right. And, and seeing you for who you are right. and accepting you and being engaged with you. Like that's where the magic of life is. It's right now. Right. And, it, and it's so funny because I, and I, I posted this quote and I can't remember who I heard it from, but someone asked somebody that was a pretty, they were pretty famous, pretty well-known, pretty prominent. And they said, who's the most person, important person in your life? And they said, the person I'm with right now. Whoever that is right now, that's the most important person in my life. And I was just like, like mind totally blown because what would life look like if everybody took on that mindset to be fully present with the person that's sitting in front of you face to face that you're having the conversation with without distraction and you're fully invested in them, you're pouring into them, you know, and, you know, one of the other things that I always think of is the energy transaction that you have with somebody else. And if you're going into that conversation, that, that interaction and saying, I'm going to add energy, I'm going to pour energy into that. I'm going to be the person that adds energy to every transaction rather than sucking energy out or just having it be a neutral transaction, or I'm going to be the one that adds the energy. And imagine if every person went in like that, fully present, yeah. fully aware, fully totally. giving of themselves. It would be a completely different world, Right. Like, 100%. I think that so often is that, uh, and, 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 you know, and I just want to, I want to throw out there, like, this is not something that people are doing consciously, like consciously, they want to be present in the conversation. They really do, but unconsciously their minds are somewhere else and they just haven't learned how to master that. Right. And so my process is learning how to master, master my unconscious mind, because here's the thing is that we're, we're processing consciously is like 1% of what our minds are processing, right? Like if there's 4 million pixels, our, our minds are process, our, our conscious mind is processing like 400 of those pixels. The rest, the, what the other 399 million, you know, 3,999,000 are being processed by your unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's where I have learned to slow down and really to um, use the breath work to get into a meditative state where I am feeling my body. And when I am feeling my body, I am fully present in my moment. And as men specifically, and the women too, like, no, I'm not sexist, whatever. I'm just speaking in generalizations because this is the vast majority of men. There are some men that are, that are, that are able to, to be present. Right. Um, But what happens with men is that we don't feel our emotions. Right. And when we don't feel our emotions, our emotions are actual physical manifestations in our bodies. They Mm -hmm. are actual feelings. Yes. They're called feelings because they make a feeling in your body. 
Right. Like when I'm sad, my chest gets tight and heavy. Right. Uh, if I, if I, if I am uncomfortable or I'm scared, my gut turns. Sure. Right. If I have fear. And so when you learn as a man to connect with your emotions, you learn to connect with your body. And then when you learn to connect with your body, then you can start to be fully present, right? Because if not, you're all in here in your brain. And when you're in your brain, you're not present, right? Because that's, that's not how, that's not how you feel the things around you. Because when you're in here, that's where you are. You're nowhere else. You can't be. How can you be? Because you're so caught up in all these things, all these thoughts, right? And when you step back and you feel your body and you just recognize and realize like, oh shit, like there's some other shit going on around me. Like, oh fuck, I'm sitting in a chair right now. Like I can feel the cushion under my ass and it's pretty fucking comfortable. Right. And I can feel the shoes on my feet. And I, right now I'm wearing Uggs and they're they're furry and fluffy and they feel pretty dope in my feet. My feet are warm. And that's pretty fucking cool, right? Right. And so those things, when you start to notice those things and you become really present in your moment, then you can become really present with other people. And that's powerful. Like, that's a power I didn't realize I could have. Like, I, I, I've i gotten to the point now when I do my breath yeah. work, when I'm doing my breath work and when I'm really, like, really deep in it, like, I, I can hold my, I don't like to say this often, but I can hold my breath for five minutes. Okay. Hello. And, and when I've, how I've gotten there is that I, I, I started listening to the guy that, that is the world record holder. I always forget it. I can't say his name because he's some foreign guy. He's a deep, he's a deep diary. He's held his breath for like 26 and a half minutes. Okay. Oh my goodness. This, the way he said he does, he does it is that he listens for his heartbeat. Right. So I'm like, okay, this guy's the master. I'm gonna listen to this guy because sure. he knows, he knows what he's talking about. 26 and a half minutes. That's some pretty good credibility. That guy knows what he's talking. He knows what he's doing, right? And so, what I do is what how I started. And, the, and so, if you're listening, this is a good way to start. Is that when I go into my breath hold, I focus all my energy down into my fingertips. And if you focus all your energy down into your fingertips, you can start to begin to feel the pulsations of your heart and your fingers. Yes. And then I go down to my feet, and I search for the pulses in my feet, and I feel my feet, and then I start to scan my body. And search for any pulses that I, I failed the heartbeat. And then as you get deeper, you can start to become connecting of every pulse in your body. Mm-hmm. And you can actually become one pulsation that's floating in a cloud. So as you're getting deep into the breath hold and you're starting to get that, that you're really getting that CO2 retention, you start to get this like lightness feeling as though you're floating in a cloud. And then you, as you're doing that and you're connecting to your heart, then you're just this, you're this human body floating in a cloud and pulsating and just feeling your entire body. It's wild. It's crazy to me. I never knew that I could feel like that. Like I never knew that I could feel my pulses in my body like that. It was crazy to me when I discovered that. Huge discovery, huge discovery for me. Most people will never stop to attend to those things. Most people, they will never try. They will never attend to their body sensations or they'll never stop and be long enough. Yeah. They they don't have time to, they're too busy doing shit. What are they doing? Nobody fucking knows. They're just doing shit. Doing shit. Exactly. Shit. (laughs) They don't even know what they're doing. They're just doing it. Right. 
Well, it's, so. you know, that, that, yeah, that, that's a whole other story too. Everybody's keeping busy with things and, you know, we, you know, everybody's got their technology that they're buried in and, you know, we have all this technology and all these extra conveniences yet. Nobody has any time. Totally. And, yeah. You know, the, but these are the, the Nick, I, I I'm, I'm loving everything you're saying right now. And I'm just, you know, some of these things are, are blowing my mind and like, I, if, if you're listening, I mean, the, the things that Nick is talking about, it, these are not luxuries. It's not just something that, uh, people do or you know you know because when you go off on a retreat or this is the these are musts these are things that every human being must have and you know i need to impress upon you and put some inject some urgency into you these are things that all of you need to do for the sake of your health for the sake of your well-being your physical your body your job for your relationships i mean Hearing all this, if if you focus on all these things and being present and tending to everything like Nick is talking about, what would your marriage look like or your relationship look like? What would your relationship, how would you be as, as a husband or, you know, for ladies as a wife, how would you be as a parent? How would you be as an employer or an employee, every other hat that you wear in your life? Think about that for a minute. Think about that. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, maybe I should, or. You know, it's, it's not a want to, it, it's, it's a must. And it, I want you to incorporate some urgency into this because this is, this is a vital piece that we're missing. And, and I, I would even but, recommend like, like this is, this is a get to like, you have an opportunity, you have an opportunity and it's your choice. You don't have to do anything. And I mean, I mean, you say you need to, but you don't need to, if you, if you don't, if, because it's, that's like. It's your choice. You get the choice. Mm-hmm. You get to choose. So if you can choose to suffer and be in pain and 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 do the same shit you're doing right now, but how's that working for you? Mm. Is that giving you is that giving you what you desire? Where are you in your life? And if you're not where you want to be, what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. When are you going to do something about it? And these types of things are an opportunity and they're so simple they're so simple doc this is simple shit and the rewards the rewards are so huge compared to what the what you have to do i mean it's so simple and what goes into it and yeah i mean so many things that we have to do in this life they're they're simple um yeah but people don't want to take the time they don't want to be consistent with them Uh but yeah the the consistency piece the, the basic principles of it are, you know, it's not complicated. And if you take this time, I mean, this is, I mean, people talk about self-care and they think it's going and pampering yourself or what else. No, what, what we're talking about right now, this is true self-care. Uh-huh. This is true self-care. I mean, and like you said, you can choose to do it. I mean, I mean, in my, in my mind, when I'm saying it's a must be, it's because what's on the other side of it is so the rewards are so big. Why would you not want to do this? People can't see it still, though, Doc. I, f- I talk to people all the time. You know, it's it, and here's the thing: is that often, more often than not, and not always, but more often than not, what I hear is, "Oh, I'll do it for two weeks, and if it hasn't changed me, then then like then it's it's not going to work." Like, listen to me, <laughs> please. <laughs> I'm pleading with you to listen to me for a second. Two weeks? Are you fucking kidding me? What gets done in two weeks? What kind Nothing. of a what kind of a skill that's worth a shit is 
cultivated in two weeks? Nothing. Zero. Look what kind of a habit was ever established in two weeks? No, take 66 plus days for something to even become a habit. Two weeks is nothing. Nothing at all. It's, nothing. It, that's it. And even at the 66 days, you can lose it like this. Right? Even yeah. if you go 66, 66 days, you miss two days. You miss two days. Oh, and yeah. You miss a third day. Once you hit that third day, you are mm-hmm. on a downward spiral. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you miss consecutive days, period, that's when it's easy to start. You know, I mean, people miss one day. Okay. But yeah, the people that are successful, they, they don't miss more than one day. And then totally. they go right back on it. But yeah, you, you miss two days in a row and then it's easy to start giving yourself that out. And before long, it is undone. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. The power of your breath, though, I'm telling you right now, it's the most powerful thing we have. It is the most powerful thing we have. It is an amazing skill that so many people are missing out on. Something that so many people are forgetting to do. Yep. Totally. How, many t- how many times have you had to stop? I mean, I mean, even as a therapist, I mean, I'm not as accomplished in breath work as you are, but I mean, I've done some meditation, some relaxation techniques with my my patients and just when it comes to anxiety, it's like, you know, just remember people have to be told to remember just to breathe. Totally. Yeah, some, absolutely. You know, they, you know, they're, they're like, oh, well, ask, can you ask my doctor to give me some meds, to give me some Xanax, to give me this or, you know, you know, Zoloft or one of the SSRIs. I'm like, what about trying to breathe? Mm-hmm. What if you closed your eyes? What if you did some diaphragmatic breathing? What if you started tending to your body, systematically tensing and relaxing muscles, feeling that? Imagine totally. blood flow going out to your extremities. What if you started doing some visualization and visualize a place that's, that, that makes you happy and comfortable and get all five senses involved? Mm-hmm. What if you tried doing that instead of popping a pill? Totally. That's only going to be as good as you know the half-life of that pill and how long it takes to get into and out of your system. Well, then you're going to be an addict. Benzo mm-hmm. addiction is a real thing. It's one of the worst. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Benzos are, are the absolute worst. They're the most habit for me because they've got the small half-life. They get into your mm-hmm. system fast and they get out of your system fast. So you, you get that immediate reinforcement because it gets in your system fast and you feel the effect. And then it's, uh, yeah, they're dangerous because they're habit forming and you need more and more and more. So the, the physiological dependence is scary. And then because they act on the same receptors as alcohol, people oftentimes try to drink and do that at the same time. And that can be fatal. And so totally. it's, uh, you know, it's brutal. And, but everybody wants the quick fix. They don't want to take the time to learn to breathe. They don't want to take the time to learn the meditation, to learn the skill, to get to gain real control. And you know, the nice thing about what what you do is it's a gift that you can have forever. It's a skill. It's something that you have in your grab bag that you can use for the rest of your life. A pill is only as good as the last one. You need the next one. What we're talking yeah. about here is something that you can have anytime, anywhere. For this situation, for what you're going through now, for, for the future, every day for the rest of your life. Totally, hundred percent. What's up? Well, you know what? That, that's you know what? I want to offer a breath. I think it's a great opportunity to offer a breath to you. It's to offer a tool. Let's do it. So I'm gonna offer. I'm gonna offer. Uh, I'm gonna offer twenty connected breaths. So you can do this anywhere you are. You could be. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a breath that you're overly doing. You can do it just really quietly. <laughs> Um, you can do it. You can really put it, do it forcefully. If you're needing that, if like you're really pissed off and you need to let some aggression out, um, it's a really simple breath. It's just four short breaths and one long breath. 
And so you can do it in through your nose, out through your nose. You can do it in through your nose, out through your mouth. Whatever you're feeling, however you want to do it, it's simple. And so it just goes like this, just four short breaths. One long. And you repeat it four times. That's it. It grounds you. It brings you back present to this moment. It's a really great breath to just slow you, about, slow you down, ground you, and get you connected back to yourself. I feel it already. Yep. Super simple. And that's the great thing about your breath. It's so powerful. And we miss it. We miss the, we miss the most simple things that are the most powerful things because yep. we're so busy. Mm -hmm. We're busy chasing. Everybody's chasing. Yep. Totally. Like everybody's busy doing, you know, you're a human doing instead of a human being and you're, you're busy doing and you're busy chasing. And um, so many of the things that we're chasing is it's not really a pleasant thing to chase and you're missing out. And when you stop and do these things, you don't have to necessarily chase things anymore. You're chasing, totally. people are chasing the happiness. They're chasing the Holy Grail. They're chasing this. And if you stop and do these things, then um, things come to you. You're, you're cultivating what you want within. Totally, 100%. Man, powerful. Thanks, brother. <laughs> what other messages would you like for the audience to hear? You know, I, I my biggest thing is, is there's two things that are mean for me that are that are, have been the most powerful things in my life. And that's the power of vulnerability. Because when you're vulnerable and you're honest with people and you put yourself out there, then you can feel no shame. And you can just be honest with who you are and be okay with who you are. And then number two, you're not alone. You are not alone in this journey. So often I hear this all the time. I, I, I feel like this. I feel like that. You're not the only one. And so what if you just look at it as a man, I'm not the only one that's struggling with this. So me too. I, I see you. I am struggling too. You're not alone in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that universality that you have is it's just so powerful, and it just I think back to when uh, you know the four of us and we were having a conversation with somebody on Zoom, and the topic of suicidal ideation came up. You remember that conversation? And yeah. Gentleman talked about having suicidal ideation, and uh, and I said, "Okay, quick show of hands among the five of us. How many of us have had suicidal ideation?" All five hands went up. Totally. And you, when you have that, when that you realize there's that universality, I mean, that's, that's why retreats, that's why being around people and, and, you know, group therapies. I mean, I've seen some phenomenal group therapies. I'm sure when you were, you know, at the place in Maryland where you did, you know, I'm sure you did some group work. That's when it's powerful because you thought you were the only person that maybe experienced these things. And you realize there's a whole tribe of people going through the same thing you are. Totally. And, and, and you realize that, uh, you know, not everybody's perfect. And I, I think that's, problem with social media too is you know pe people look at social media and they think that everybody's got the perfect life because you're seeing everybody's highlight reel everybody's got these perfect lives and they're going to these cool places and you know taking pictures next to cool cars or you know perfect looking people and or what they think are perfect looking people or whatever it might be and you think oh everybody's life is great and wonderful and mine just looks sucky and boring and it's like oh, no everybody's you know you're getting like i said the highlight reel it's not realistic. Totally. So people get. Well, I've, I've 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 interacted with a lot of the people on social media that are some high level people, and they shit the same way I do. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> they shit the same way. They bleed the same way. And yeah, you know, it's just, and then, and when you realize that they do, it's just, it, it makes a huge difference. And that was, that was a change that, you know, has helped me in my career a couple of years ago when I realized that, um, you know, I had to, you know, I started admitting to everybody that, you know, I'm a shrink and I had this idea that I could never ask for help or act like I didn't have it together and everything else. Then I, you know, realized that, you know, let everybody know that I bleed, you know, I have negative emotions. I get depressed. I get upset. I get, you know, I experience hurt, you know, nobody's impervious to these things, regardless of what you do for a living, no matter, you know, what your perceived status is by other people, how famous you are how skilled you are, how at the top of the field or top of the game you are, you know, we all have lows in our lives. We all have things that are our struggles. And so I think when you, like you said, that vulnerability piece and, and showing everybody that, yeah, I mean, even though I'm, I'm a high performer, I got on top of the game, but yeah, there's still times when I struggle. There's still times when I have doubt. There's still times when I have imposter syndrome and, um, you know, the, sometimes the voices creep in. I mean, all of us have voices that creep in our heads. It's a matter how we manage them. You know, the first thought that comes in our mind isn't necessarily the best one. And we can't control the thoughts that come in, but all we can do is manage those thoughts. Totally. Challenge them and then replace them with ones that are going to serve us better and be more likely to get us what we want. 100%. Yep. Absolutely. Good stuff and nuggets galore today. No, I appreciate it. It was a really great conversation. How can everybody find you? It's I'm simple. I'm easy to find. Just nickwingo.com. Uh, that has my social, the podcast I do with my wife. Um, I have a, um, and actually nickwingo.com slash breathwork. Um, that says you can get a, a, a five breaths for anxiety. Um, that I share on there. And that actually has the 20 connected press on there. I also uh, do some, um, some breath work that people can come in and check me out on Thursday nights. So. Excellent. Much love brother. This was, uh, this was an honor having you and uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to do this again. Definitely. I appreciate it. It was an honor to be here, brother. I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody. So, like I said, uh, you're going to remember this one for a while. And uh, if you got any kind of nuggets out of this, please pass the show along. Please go online to Spotify and to Apple and give us a five-star review. This is something that anybody can benefit from. It's something that all of us need in our lives. And uh, like I said, putting these things as a priority, it's not just something we want to do or should do or is a good idea. It's a must for you as far as your quality of life. And I promise you, you employ these things. And they're, like we said, they're simple. If you put them into action, it's going to affect you in all domains of your life, your family and relationships, your business, your mindset, and your physical health. I mean, so, I mean, how can you top something that's going to help you in all four areas like that? And it's simple. And if, if you don't have the time, that's an excuse. It's a bullshit excuse. You make the time because uh, your livelihood and your well-being and your overall welfare depend on it. So once again, share the show, leave us a review, and everybody get out there and uh, be good to yourselves and go make someone else's day better. Peace. <laughs>